the last time we were together, we went through Genesis 1 and 2, and what we saw was the earth and the universe and how it was created, how God took his time and planned out every detail of, of the earth that we now live on. Now we move on to Genesis 3, which is the fall of man. Adam and Eve have been on this earth for some time now, and now the time is uh, come where they will be tempted. This is the uh, first uh, sign of temptation that we get in the Bible. So open your Bibles and read along as we begin Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman, you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished the man from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken, after he drove the man out. He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, what we have here is the first time that someone other than the Lord God uh, has spoken to uh, the man and the woman, and that would be the serpent. And we start off first by uh, the fact that it says the serpent, and uh, the word serpent, Hebrew word 5175, means a snake. So it was seen that this is a literal snake. Uh, why would I say that? Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, we go back to the six-day creation, and we know that the Lord God made uh, all the beasts uh, of the earth on the sixth day before he um, uh, made the man and then uh, the male and then he made the female. We read on. It says, and he said to the woman. Now, that's key right there. It said, and he said. Now, I didn't say it, even though in the previous words before it said the serpent was more crafty than any beast, which is usually a it. But here it says he and he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, the uh, the primitive root here, Hebrew word 5172, says to hiss. So when it says that he said, it says to hiss, i.e. to whisper. Uh, then it says that he was craftier. Craftier means cunning. And uh, the Hebrew dictionary says usually in a bad way. More than any beast that was alive. Now, he asked Eve a particular question. You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, uh, I want to point out that the tree here is an actual tree. It is the Hebrew word etz, which means tree. And I'm bringing it up for a reason because when we get a little uh, lore, uh, I will uh, I will touch back on this first verse and why it was important for me to point out that that word tree that Satan asked about is was an actual tree. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent from the tree, from the fruit, excuse me, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. Continue verse three. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now, the word touch here means to, uh, to lay the hand upon. OK. Uh, also uh, to lie with a woman. Now, the Lord God told Adam, uh, you shall not eat from the tree. The tree that they're speaking of here is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he didn't say anything about touching it. Notice Eve here says you shall not eat from it or 
touch it. So she added that in. The Lord God didn't say anything about touching it. Okay, but we will continue on to verse four. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. <clears throat> now, what I want to point out here about the serpent is I want you I want you to see how slick the serpent is. What he does is this. He doesn't tell a complete lie. He does something that's more dangerous. He mixes in a lie with the truth. So he gives her a lie, but he mixes in a little bit of truth in there to make it more believable. And that's actually more dangerous than telling a complete lie. In verse five, he continues on for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, the word open there, when he says your eyes will be open, Hebrew word 6491, to be observant. So, what Satan did here is he touched on all of uh, the temptations of ease, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He touched them all because at this point, he, he, he's telling her, listen, God knows that you will be like him. That you will you will have that wisdom. And he touched on something uh, that that obviously Eve had deep down inside because she wanted that. Uh, how do I know? Continue uh, to verse six. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. There it is again. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. She took from his fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband and he ate. Now, when uh, the word delight here is a longing, but it also means lust, uh, desirable to delight in and beauty, a delectable thing. And I want to point out that it says that she gave to her husband. That's that's the word ish. So she gave to the man. OK, to uh, she gave to the male. OK, and he ate. Now, what's interesting about verse six is, is Satan goes for the woman. He tempts her. And then she gives to her husband. Now, I want to take a minute and I want to I want to touch on something here. I believe that there's a reason why Satan, who was snooping around the garden, hanging around, for whatever reason he have, he knew who to go for. He knew, well, God gave the commandment to Adam. But I really want to get him. So how can I get to him? I can't go get to him directly. So how can I get to him? I know I could get to him through his wife. Later on in the Bible, it would tell the husband to love and protect his wife as the weaker vessel. So what Satan did is he attacked the woman because he knew that he could play to her emotions and get her to give in to what he wanted. He knew that if he can get her to give in to what he wanted, she could trick her husband or convince her husband and to give in to what she wanted. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that Satan knows how to attack a family. He goes for the wife, but who he really wants is the husband. He wants he wants the, the head of the family. Satan knew he couldn't go directly for Adam. So he found another way to go about and get to Adam. When we get to numbers and we get to the story of uh, Balaam and Balak, you will see this play out again. Except for this time, it's two men. And what happens here is uh, Balaam uh, will teach Balak that there's a indirect way that you can get to the children of Israel. You can't get at them directly because God has covered them, but there's an indirect way you can get there. Okay. Let's move on. Verse number seven. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Now, 
It's interesting that it says their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. Well, Adam and Eve have been naked the whole time. Uh, the, to the best of my knowledge, Adam and Eve have never wore, they, at this point, they never wore clothes. Clothes didn't exist in the world. I think what's happening here is that it's the innocence that uh, it was nothing wrong with the way they were. But for some reason, when they disobeyed God, uh, they got the knowledge that they were looking for and now they realize they were naked. And for some reason, a husband and a wife now will so uh, fig leaves to cover their loins uh and because they were ashamed to look at each other for whatever reason you have uh for, for whatever reason that may be verse eight now they heard the sound of the lord god the lord god there walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the lord of the of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now this is interesting that they try to hide when God is walking in the in the garden. But it's no different than what we do today. You know, we think that we can hide from God because we can't see the Father, because God is not. You you don't hear His footsteps. Men and women today think that they can still hide from God, but the truth is you can't hide from you can't hide from God because He's all knowing. Verse nine. What did the Lord God? I'm sorry. Let me back up a little bit. When it says they heard the sound of the Lord. Now that word heard Hebrew word 8085 is to hear intelligently. And they heard the sound 60 word 69 63 to call aloud a voice or sound. It means that they heard the audible voice of God. The cool of the day word 7307 to blow i.e. breathe. And the man who he mentioned in verse eight is mankind. They heard and the man and his wife. This means that the word man there meant mankind, even though the mill was there as well. Verse nine, then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now, I want to point out something. Eve was the first sinner. She took of the fruit that Satan presented to her and sinned. Then she gave to her husband and he sinned. Right. But notice what the Lord God did here. OK, the Lord God, Jehovah Elohim. He called to Adam and the word there when it says and the Lord God called to the man, that word there is not mankind. That word there is ish. I mean, he called for the male. He called for the husband. Where are you? Verse 10. He said, he being Adam, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Then he said. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Now, don't get this twisted here. The Lord God is omnipresent. OK, he know he knows and he's all knowing. He knows everything. These are rhetorical questions that the Lord God is asking. He wasn't asking Adam these questions because Adam because God didn't know. He asked Adam these questions because he wanted to see what Adam was going to say. Verse 12, Adam speaks. The man said the woman who you gave to be with me. She gave me from the tree and I ate. Now, what did we learn here? This is the first uh, passing of the book that ever happened in the human race. The Lord God asked Adam a question directly. What did Adam say? The woman that whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Now, notice what Adam did. Adam blamed his wife and he blamed God. The woman whom you gave to be with me. 
she gave me from the tree and I ate. So Adam passed the book. So when we pass the book nowadays, or if you have kids and they pass the book, we learn that from our original father. Because the first thing he did was he passed the book. He didn't take the responsibility. He passed the book off and pushed it off on his wife. And then he also put it off on God. Verse 13, then the Lord said to the woman, okay, so now God turns away from Adam and he turns and he turns to the female. What is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So Adam has now passed the buck. And now what did the woman do? She also passed the buck. She didn't take responsibility either. She said, mm -mm -mm -mm, the serpent, he, he, he deceived me and I ate. And that word deceived is Hebrew word. 5378 it also ties in with 5377 and it means to lead astray mentally now i want to take a minute and stop here for verse 13 because this is an important verse to me the word deceived me is he he that the serpent led her astray or he mentally deceived her in her and in, in he 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 worked on her mind but i want to read the same uh verse here out of the out of the King James, because I want to make a point to a doctrine that has gone around. The King James says, verse 13, the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou has done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. I want to bring that up because the word beguiled means to wholly seduce. And there are some who have said that in this verse 13, when the woman said that the serpent out of the King James Version, the serpent beguiled her. They people there. There's a, a doctrine that says that, well, the woman had sex with Satan. And that's what the word beguiled mean. He wholly seduced her now out of the New American Standard. And then I tied in directly with the Hebrew. She said the serpent deceived me. And it said that that word deceived mean that he uh, led her astray mentally. That he worked on her mind mentally. Okay. So it was verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and eat dust and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Now, there are some who say that this curse was put on the actual serpent here and that uh, snakes had legs. Now, uh, people say that it's, it was a curse because if you think about all if you think about any animal, insect, they all have legs. Flies, they fly around, but they have legs. You know, uh, butterflies, uh, you know, have, you know, uh, they, you know, they were once a caterpillar, so they still kind of have those uh fragments of, of the legs but the snake out of all the creatures is the one creature that does not have legs it actually crawls on his stomach uh and some people will say that the lord god uh put this curse on the snake but the worm also does not does not have legs and it kind of rolls and and crawls around so that is kind of up to how you want to take the verse i took this i take it as to the best of my knowledge that the lord god is talking directly to satan when he says this okay verse 15 and i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel Enmity means hostility and hatred. Word Hebrew word three forty two. Okay, 
Now, I have a couple of cross-references I want to uh, go over with that verse that I just read. Uh, Turn to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. Verse 17. And we read. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who kept the commandments of God and held to the testimony of Jesus. Now, that I'm tying that in with what we see back in Genesis when he said that I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. OK, another cross reference uh, I have uh, is less, you know, cross reference referring to the bruising of the heel. Uh, turn back a little bit from Revelation to Romans chapter 16 and then uh, Romans 16 verse verse let me see what I need I need verse 20 Romans 16 verse 20 the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your foot the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you now the God of Peace will soon crush Satan under your foot. So I tie that back in with Genesis where he says that that you where he says that he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Okay, so those are a few cross references there. 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, greatly and multiply are the same word. Hebrew word 7235, desire, stretching out after a longing. When he says the husband will rule over you, Hebrew word 4910, dominion, govern, reign, have power. I actually have another cross reference for you. Uh, If you still have your finger in the New Testament, turn, go to Titus chapter 2. Okay, Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, and it reads, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now, when we go back to Genesis chapter 16, let's uh, let's sit here for a minute and break it down. What exactly did the Lord God mean? Well, when he said that the woman's pain would be greatly uh, multiplied in childbirth. Well, we understand that women go through pain when they begin labor through labor or up until the time that the child is delivered. But what did he mean when he said that yet let yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you? Well, this is part of the curse. And what happened is this, is that the Lord God wanted marriage to be harmony upon uh, between the male and the female. What the Lord God is doing here is, is letting them know that it's not going to be harmonious. He is now putting them in a complete charge. He put him in charge at first because he was the first creature and he named all the animals and his wife came as his help meet but now he's telling the woman your desire will be for your husband so she's going to be longing to take the husband's place this was going on here so what what does that do that brings strife inside of the home verse 17 now he turns to adam 
Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you and toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now, the word ground, Hebrew word 127, soil from its general redness. Okay, and uh, this also ties in with Hebrew word 119. Okay, so what is the Lord saying? You got to remember, Adam is tilling the ground. That's what Adam's job was. But now the Lord says that the ground is going to be cursed where God planted the garden. And all Adam had to do was take care of it. Now the Lord is saying that you're going to take care of it and the ground is going to is going to be cursed. Verse eight, the Lord God continued in verse 18 thorns and thistles. It shall grow for you and you will eat the plants of the field. OK. Wow. So we didn't even have thorns at this uh, at this point. If you have a rose garden, you know that you have to go in there when you go in there to prune your roses. You have to go in there with long sleeves on and your thick gloves because of the thorns because of the thorns. Now, the Lord God is telling us that these things didn't exist then, but now that now they will. We will continue to verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Uh, I'm going to touch on that. Uh, I'm going to turn. I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes uh, 12 and 7, and I'm going to touch on that verse right there and cross-reference there. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says, "Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it." So I'm just making a, a clear point there that the Lord God was just telling Adam that this is uh, where you headed. You're going to uh, work hard the rest of your life until you return to the dust which I used to create you. Verse 20. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now. Uh, it, it's, it's not hard to figure out where the garments of skin came from. The Lord God had to sacrifice the animal right in front of Adam and Eve. And he used it to put covering over them because you got to remember, no animals have ever been slaughtered to this point. They were eating fruits and vegetables. Adam was tilling, uh, was tilling the garden and the animals were also eating of the same food. But this is not. But now he made a garment of skins. Verse 22. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, the man who the Lord God is talking about here is Hebrew word 120. It means mankind. At this time, the tree of life was still available for man and God did not want him to live forever in sin. That's what the Lord God meant when he said he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life. Remember what I said in chapter two, the Lord God never told Adam that he couldn't eat from the tree of life. He told him you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what's happening here is the Lord God is making the point that now that the man and the woman are in sin, we got to do something about this because he, one of them, they may take out their hand and eat from the tree of life because if they did eat from the tree of life, they would live forever, which means that they would have lived forever in sin. Verse 23, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. And this is what the Lord God does about it. He sends him out. He has to he, he has to get out. 
verse 24. So he, he being the Lord God, drove the man out. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, to the best of my knowledge, a cherubim is an angelic like creature. And I'm going to hit a few verses to that talks about uh, the cherubim. Uh, turn over, turn to the next book, Exodus 25. Turn to Exodus number 20, chapter 25. And I'm going to read verses 18 to 22. You shall make two cherubim of gold. Of course, you know, this is Moses and he's making Ark of the Covenant. Make them of hammered work. At, at the two ends of the mercy seat Make one cherub at, at, at one end And one cherub at the other end You should make the cherubim of one piece With the mercy seat as its two ends The cherubim should have their wings spread upwards Covering the mercy seat with their wings And facing one another The faces of the cherubim are to be turned Towards the mercy seat you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I will give to you. There I will meet with you and from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are upon the ark of the testimony. I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the sons of Israel. Okay. Uh, turn a few more books and go to Ezra chapter 10. Ezra Chapter 10. And in Ezra 10, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. It says, Then I looked, and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone in appearance resembling a throne appeared ab above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the rolling wheels under the cherubim and fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim and scattered them over the city and he entered in my sight now the cherubim was standing on the right side of the temple when the man entered and the cloud filled the inner court then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple and the temple was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord moreover the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks it came about when he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from between the whirling wheels, from between the cherubim. He entered and stood beside a wheel. Then the cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire, which was between the cherubim, took some and put it into the hands of one clothed in linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. Okay, now. The cherubim, like I said, sounds like some type of angelic-like creature, okay? Now, it said that uh, uh, he turned, it says that now he, the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life, okay? Now, uh, I want to talk about uh, the forgiveness of sins, which is kind of going on here. So, turn back to the New Testament to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses uh, 21 through 28 that talks about the forgiveness of sin. But now 
Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for those who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration. I say of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. When then, so where then is boasting? Is it excluded by what kind of law? Of works, no, but by law of faith, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And I read that just to uh, touch on the forgiveness of sin because that is what's going to be needed here. The man, so to recap, the man and his wife are in the garden, they're living life the way life was supposed to be, the way that life should have been uh, lived. You know, they're living life to the fullest. There's no diseases. There's no animals eating people. There's no storms. There's nothing bad going on here. But that one mistake from our original father and mother puts us in the state that we are today, which is a state of sin. And we would need, have need for a savior, which is what this was about. He will bruise your head. You will bruise his heel. So God has made it clear here that the man is going to need someone to clear up this mess that he has made and be in and be the forgiveness for sin. And we know later on in the Bible who that's going to be. But the man, Christ Jesus. That brings us to the end of Genesis chapter 3. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and mercy. And I ask you to bless us until we are together next time. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you?